Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, everybody. Welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate Podcast. I apologize for nothing, specifically in wearing this hat. Although I do apologize this morning, but for wearing this hat because it's bloody freezing here tonight and it's lashing rain outside as well. Um, and I'm back to nursing some sort of a cold again. So I'm feeling sorry for myself. But the good news is that I, I the good news that has perked me up over the last 24 hours is that Aston Villa have partnered with uh, Vittoria de Guimarães or Vittoria SC as uh, they are also known as in uh, the Portuguese Premier Liga um, something I suppose realistically speaking it's been on the cards for maybe about a year or two um, there have always been these murmuring and ru- rumours around that um, that Suarez and, and Edens wanted to uh, delve into the European market to to you know invest in another team, um, and we'll get onto it. we'll get onto my thoughts about it in a moment. Um, I'm also going to divulge slightly as well into uh, something else that I've seen uh, recently, and, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll get into that in a moment as well. Um, but Victoria, the Grimaldi is is. Uh, I have mentioned, you know, they were founded in 1922, um, a long history within the Premier League, long history within Portuguese football. Uh, They're a a plug-and-play team, as in what I mean by that, for somebody who's going to invest into the team, they are, like, they have a stadium, 30,000-seater stadium. Now, it does need work, um, it seems, and they also have uh, quite a decent infrastructure, but... We'll take a look at the club statement in a moment. We'll just uh, most of this tonight is going to be bringing up articles first of all. Have a little look at what the articles mean, and um, then I will give you my thoughts, I suppose, on this uh, on this deal itself. Uh, so, with that, let's bring up a couple of articles because I think it's important to scan through the stratosphere or the media sphere and take a little look at what we have got. So first of all, I'm just going to bring up the club statement. Every one of you will have seen this yesterday. Um, broke last night, roughly around half past nine. The Aston Villa... Oh, I'm not sharing my screen, sure I'm not. Uh, Aston Villa can confirm the club's holding company, V-Sports, has entered into a sale and purchase agreement to acquire uh, 46% of the shares in Portuguese club, Vitoria Sporting Club. Um, the agreement, which requires ratification by members of uh, Vitoria Sporting Club, signals an important step forward in the global expansion of V Sports por- portfolio. 
Formed in 1920-22, the Premier League side are an established top-flight club and have competed regularly in European football competitions, reaching the UEFA Cup quarter-final in 1987, and they also faced Villa in the same competition in 83. V-Sports aims to create a synergy amongst, club, amongst clubs uh, in its group that will engage, encourage the sharing of worldwide scouting networks, academy coaching methodologies, best practice in youth academy development across strategies across Europe and Africa. Chairman Nassif Swear is the director of V-Sports, said V-Sports is delighted to be partnering with Victoria Sports Club. Um, <clears throat> discussions which have been ongoing for almost two years have progressed thanks to the positive steps taken by the new management team led by Antonio Miguel Cardosa, uh, whose energy and vision has been a crucial component in reaching this agreement. Antonio Miguel Cardoso, president of uh, Vittoria Sport Club, said that since first meeting, um, we found out that Mr. Nassif Suarez is a man of serious commitments and available to the right partner, <coughs> uh, which VSC needs in this important moment for our history. Aston Villa Football Club is ultimately wholly owned by V Sports, a joint venture set up, blah, 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 blah. We know exactly what, what that means for Aston Villa Football Club. So, um, as as you mentioned, there forty six percent of the club, of the shares of the club uh, have been bought by the owners of Aston Villa Football Club, um, which is uh, I think is positive, um, and we will look at it in a moment as to why I think that. Um, but I think, look, spoiler alert, that an awful lot of the the like there is no smoke and mirrors here with this, and and, and I see ninety nine percent of the commentary that I've seen on this online has been positive. Uh, but, but for some reason, I've seen, uh, and once again, I'm going to come on here. I'm going to speak about the fact that I don't understand why people would be negative about this. It's not me telling anybody how to fan. It's not me trying to convince anybody. Anybody can be a fan of the football club whatever way they want. They can go, they can set up their own podcast, and they can talk about it however they wish to do so. But I know you guys come here to listen to what our opinions are. My opinion would be that... Based on, on on this, when you see that the, uh, the 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 ownership of the club wants to share worldwide scouting networks, academy coaching methodologies, best practices, new academy development strategies across Europe and Africa, I think that's really a giveaway as to what this is for. And and, and a lot of people, sorry, not a lot of people, a very small amount of people seem to have been negative about this. And I just don't, I just don't understand. It. And maybe help educate me as to maybe as, as if there's something missing. So if there is any anybody here who is negative about this uh, about this acquisition, for the money that was involved, and we will get onto this. We we bought forty six percent of the shares in this club for one Steve Sidwell. <laughs> Think of it that way: five point five million, Steve Sidwell, Victoria Sport Club, Steve Sidwell. I could I could very easily be missing something on this, but we'll get on to that in a moment um, with regards to, to very much my thoughts uh, on it. But I want to share up um, some more uh, articles here just so that we can read up a small bit more about this. Um, so the Athletic had a really good article on it as well, um, whereby <clears throat> it, they mentioned here as well, I'm going to scan down through this here. Uh, here it mentions that the deal is worth an initial 5.5 million euros, which is actually only 4.9 million. So he cost it cost less than a Steve Sidwell to purchase 46 percent of the club. Um, but obviously there is uh, there is context with regards to this. There's context. What was the quid pro quo? Why did they get 46% of this? And essentially, um, I don't know if it's mentioned in this article or if it's mentioned in the next article. Um, that we will look at, and this is one from Greg Evans, Global Greg, as as we know him. But 
the the basis of Aston Villa being able to to purchase the club or purchase forty. Jesus, I, I if I say purchase the club, I mean forty six percent. Okay. Um, of the club because obviously they haven't. Victoria Sport, the club is owned by um its members as well in an awful lot um of 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 ways. Um, so when I mention that, I, I do mean the forty six percent. Um, but also they have uh, extended a line of credit of twenty million towards the club as well, which once again twenty million equates to think of uh, uh Bjorn Engels and a uh, Freddie Gilbert and a. Uh, Samata, you know, three players like that that haven't worked out for us. And the reason that I'm being being a bit flippant and I'm being a bit uh, glib, I suppose, in mentioning these players that have never really worked out for us um, is is because, you know, it shows to me it shows to me an intent for the club to become number one, self-sufficient. Uh, when I mean self-sufficient, I mean the group itself, the V Sports group, uh, to become self-sufficient. But also, it shows uh, a, an aspiration to be able to to kind of control um, uh, your your scouting networks to a higher degree, to control your your um, you know the 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 level of loss or the the invariable that you might have when you're looking at a player um, a small bit more when you've got more clubs. Uh, with a greater reach and a greater ability to have players come in and play for that club in a different league or potentially European football so that you aren't at a hypothetical with your numbers that you can actually show your hypotheticals from your numbers along with actual play at higher levels and higher gradations when your younger players are coming through. So um, looking, moving on here as well, there was a great article I thought um, here in the... Ash Priest had uh, oh sorry there guys give me one moment and I will um, bring up this article so Ashley Priest had another good article that I'm sure you've all read uh, here as well um, just with regards to why a lot of this makes sense with Brexit in Brazil expert explains why Aston Villa deal with Victoria, Victoria makes a lot of sense and this is um, you know somebody that I have a lot of time for is Kieran Maguire um, Kieran if you're watching this podcast uh, which I highly doubt that you are, but if anybody here knows of Kieran Maguire and would be able to put me in contact with him, um, I have spoken to somebody who did know him previously, but I've heard nothing back. I would love to get Kieran Maguire on the podcast, um, as it says here, a football finance guru, but all around general guy with his head and his shoulders that talks sense about football as well. I'd love to get him on the podcast um, if anybody does know him. Uh, but as we go down through this here, uh, we can see that, oh, Jesus. Pop-ups, pop-ups, pop-ups. Give me strength. Um, but here we see that um, that this is good news for a number of reasons, including established establishing strong links to talent five and a half million miles. Five and a half million. It's late in the day. Five five and a half thousand miles um, away in Brazil. <coughs> and the reason that I mention this as well is that I've been banging the drum for nearly eighteen months now that um, Aston Villa need to be bolder within their. Uh, within their strategy. A lot of clubs are doing it. Chelsea have gotten a steal with Andre Santos. Uh, he just like the, the standout player um, of the last under, of the uh, the comic ball um, under 20 um, tournament that John Duran didn't go on at the moment. They've got him for a steal. Um, he's basically just running it with his eyes closed at the moment himself and uh, Vitor Roque um, as well down there. But um, 
Chelsea have signed Andres Santos. Aston Villa need to be a bit bolder in that aspect if they are going to be able to, to compete. Now, it's still going to be a weighted market with regards to trying to get those good younger players. But as I was saying previously, if Aston Villa were going to go out and get, get, get players like that, you see these players are maybe even players that need time to develop or time to grow within... Um, within football in general I suppose they do to end up in the Portuguese league an awful lot and then they maybe move from a lesser team in the Portuguese league to Porto or to Benfica or maybe this is the shot in the arm that uh, Vitoria need to be able to create that scouting network to be able to entice people to their club that uh, instead of them going to Sporting or, or Porto or um, Braga or to, to, to Benfica as well um, so I do think that there's a, a win-win situation here for Vittoria de Guimaraes because I think it's going to be a situation whereby they're going to have a small bit more clout um, because of this investment that they've gotten as well um, to maybe try and trouble the top four or, or make it a top five and, and entice one or two of those players uh, over time. As uh, Kieran Maguire says here as well, first of all, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, what Brexit has done is stop Premier League clubs from buying 16, 17-year-olds from Europe. We mentioned that also. Um, you know, Irish players, there's a lot of good young Irish players, and I mean a lot of good young Irish players out there at the moment. You even look at guys who've gone down to Inter Milan, like Kevin Zeffi, um, couldn't go to the UK because of the new Brexit laws, because uh, people between the ages of 16 and 18 cannot move to the UK. Um, from Ireland. You can move when you're 18, absolutely. The common travel doesn't work. It's it's to do with um, with FIFA laws and uh, the new implication of Brexit. So little instances like that, um, it's stopping Premier League clubs from buying 16, 17-year-olds from Europe. So having a satellite club means Villa can bring the, bring the then 18-year-old to, um, to, to the UK. So you can buy them at 16, 17 when they're showing their prowess, move them to Victoria Club, and then when they turn 18, then have, an, have an, uh, an outlet then to be able to be first or first refusal of these guys to move them on to your club afterwards. It's a very, very smart thing to do. Um, Chelsea have, that, uh, have that, that arm to be able to do it at the moment with the likes of um, Vitesse Arnhem. Um, Man City have the arm to do it at the moment with countless teams, but most, name, most no, namely um, Girona, that they can do it with at the moment. So why shouldn't Aston Villa have that, that opportunity? If you're going to play in the big team, play with the big boys, you need to be able to wade in the big boys' pool. And doing the same things is, you know, flat, copying is, it's a copycat game an awful lot and how you do your recruitment is a copycat game within the Premier League, within all world football. It's essentially a lot of everybody knows X player is a really good player. It's who can get in there the quickest, who can get him in there and build him and show him a project. When we talk about showing players projects, this should be very much on the top of everybody's lips um, when we're talking about projects. Building a grouping, that V Sports group could be an important branding piece for players, you know, because you're going to want to bring players at every age. You're going to want to bring players at every kind of level through. And what I mean by that is you're going to maybe want to take a chance on somebody that might have a 40% or a 30% chance of making it in the Premier League. But you're still going to need to entice him to come in and say, OK, we're essentially going to need you to do another apprenticeship here with us, and you're going to do that in Portugal. And if you cut the mustard in Portugal, we can move you into the Premier League where you can make the big shots. But it may, you may be 21, 22, 23 before that happens. And if it doesn't happen, we will be ruthless and cut you loose. So the project aspect of something along those lines, and obviously you're not going to sell it in that way to somebody, but the project aspect of, that, of, of, of being able to sell a club in that way, to me, is really important. If you're going to 
diversify if you're going to evolve as a club and if you're going to do something different, you know. And when I say about do something different, do, do something different to the clubs around you, maybe not do something different to the top clubs because you want to copy those top clubs. You want to get yourself in a position to be able to do what they can do. And this has, been, this, this, it has the potential to allow us to do that. And I don't think that this will be the last venture into another football club that Mr. Swearis and Mr. Edens will make either. Obviously, we know the Las Vegas villains are on their way down the pipeline at some stage. Hopefully, that, get, that gets ratified. That's more of a money-spinning thing. I think maybe that's another avenue to bring people up from South America. Um, this could be an avenue for European footballers but as and South American footballers, obviously, because we know the, the, the types in Portugal and Brazil. But uh, you're better looking at these things than looking for them. Is what I'm saying. And the quicker we can get this this kind of stuff up and running, the better it will be for Aston Villa Football Club. For the outlay of £4.9 million, £5.5 million, Euros, this is the greatest no-brainer that could absolutely happen to this club. Because if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. If it does work out, it could be very, very, very lucrative. That's just my thoughts on it there as well. Um. Mr. Maguire, Kieran Maguire goes on to say a lot of Premier League clubs have continued to moan about Brexit affecting the purchase of top young players in, in European in Europe, but the government have told um, to do one. Uh, the second thing is that Portugal is the best stepping stone to Brazil, when, given the language and cultural similarities. Having representation in Portugal will enhance Villa's dealings in Brazil, who, as we know, produce a good player or two. And the third thing is, if you look at what Man City have done with their city group, they're the best at this kind of thing, as it allows clubs to do uh, as as okay i'll go back and i read that in english they're the best at this kind at this kind of thing as what it allows clubs to do is align and have the same training methods sports science and stuff like players all having the same diet players can then can then acclimatize to what would be required should uh, said player make the jump across the villa's first team what villa can do is control the style and the training requirements it's all about building that consistency when new signings are brought in exactly what I was trying to say previously. What you want to do is you want to be able to mitigate, you want to be able to circumnavigate, and you want to be able to take those variables of X player has a multitude of talent, but X player has never played in the rigors of the Premier League. X player has, has never been in such a big and such a, in, in the type of professional setup that you want to have at your club. So if you can replicate that at another club, at, at, and let's not beat around the bush here, the Portuguese league would be at a lesser level, albeit that sometimes they may be playing in Europe. But if you're able to replicate what you want to do with your club there, get that player in there, see can he hack it, see is he able for the, for the greater intensity, see is he able, uh, does the diet suit him, there are, are all of these uh, idiosyncrasies that would happen at any club. Does that suit this player or will that player react poorly or react positively to it? Can we see the growth? Can we measure the growth of this player within that? And then maybe extrapolate it out over when I come to the Premier League at a higher gradation of of um, of uh, of uh, opponent, will, will he be able to stick it? So you're taking a variable out of it there. If we think about this, guys, if we think about players like Wesley that we've signed in the past, wouldn't it have been absolutely fantastic if 21-year-old Wesley could have signed for Aston Villa, albeit maybe not for 20 million, and gone and done 18 months for Vittoria, knocked in 30 goals over 18 months or whatever. I don't know. Some of you will laugh at that, but look, the guy was, was scoring goals um, prior to his injury. If that could have happened, if he could have had that year within that training setup, never got injured and come back to us, who knows what could have happened. 
there's all, there's lots of other players that we could have done that with as well down through the years that we've bought maybe a small bit too young a small bit too raw tried to get him into the team we've had a lot of players come up to our academy that maybe that small bit too raw tried to get him into the into the first team they weren't getting premier league minutes but maybe if they were getting minutes in portugal that would have made a big difference so um there's an awful lot in that i think as well um, also, uh, Kieran Maguire goes on to say that Kieran Maguire was a Brighton fan. You look at my club, Brighton, uh, with the likes of Mitomo. He was signed from Japan and then spent nine months um, at uh, Union St. Galois in uh, Belgium. There was no pressure for him out there as opposed to coming straight into the Premier League from Japan where the jump perhaps would have been would have been too, too big. It's difficult to come straight into the Premier League. Now look at him. By the way, I think he might play at the weekend. You know, that kind of stuff. Is um is what we're talking about. Like they've done some really good work in Brighton as well. And I and once again, teams should be copying Brighton. Brighton's outlay for the for the players that Brighton are bringing in, their uh their strike rate is absolutely excellent in re with regards to recruitment. Absolutely excellent. And and, and I don't think that's news to anybody uh, that that's the case. Um, it's a copycat game. It really is a copycat game. And Aston Villa will get some young players in. They will sell them on for massive profit. And it's all about being able to keep that and get those players in, make sure that they can uh, that they can continue to grow within the, within the structure. And then if we get sell them on for massive profit, that's absolutely fine too, as long as we've got the conveyor belt going. Point in case. Cameron Archer, 21 years of age, banging in goals for, for uh, Middlesbrough tonight. That's excellent. That loan is working out for Cameron Archer. We found the right club with the right setup, with the right tactic, with the right manager. Cameron Archer goes in there. I think this is his sixth game for them. He's going to have three goals after today. Conversely, if you were to put Cameron Archer and Louis Barry up against each other two years ago, everybody said that Louis Barry would, would moonwalk past him into the team. Two years ago, Cameron Archer playing with Solihull Moors. Louis Barry coming off the back of being with being with Barcelona, moving to Aston Villa. Everything looked hunky dory for him. Set up Louis Barry on what his fourth loan. Three previous haven't re well. Swindon did kind of work out. Two previous haven't really worked out. He's at Salford, and we hope that that one works out. And what I'm getting at here is you've one, you've good young player, and you want him to start getting minutes, or at least have the opportunity to get minutes. But if you control the um, environment that you're putting him into. And that's why a loans manager is so important. That's why they get an axe of this world who it could be argued that maybe he hasn't gotten some of them right uh, recently. I think last year he did a pretty decent job of the guys who've gone out and loan. Like he's absolutely nailed the fin and that, fin as as the last two fin as as um, loans. Uh, last year he nailed the two uh, Ken Kessler Hayden loans. This year it didn't go so well with him at, at Huddersfield. But you know, being able to control that environment you're sending a young player into is really, really important. And this, in theory, will help that. I'm not saying that next year we see Louis Barry, Ken Kessler-Hayden, Tommy O'Reilly, Caden Young, um, Swinkles, Lamar Bogart, all rocking up in the Premier League down for Vitoria. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that if the opportunity is there and if there's a mutual interest in the player, you have an opportunity to be able to do that. And as I say, I don't think this is going to be the last, last club um, that the that Sveris and the Edens will look to invest in as well. I'm going to take some of your comments because I've spoken an awful lot about this uh, tonight. 
Um, and as well, guys, if you do like if you do like the podcast, please give us a thumbs up. And if you don't subscribe to the podcast, just click on the subscribe button because it doesn't cost you anything, and uh, you don't even have to click on the on the little bell thing beside it to get notified. But if you do want to be notified when we get when we go live, click on the little bell and it'll notify you when we go live. So that's really good. Um, so I asked the Suleiman went there, didn't he? He did. He went there after a bit of a roundabout uh, time after leaving Aston Villa. Um, and he's actually out on loan in the Portuguese second division at the moment at the age of 25. So I think Suleiman's career hasn't gone the way that we thought it would at Aston Villa. He was very prodigious. And um, there was talks of Bayern Munich even wanting to sign him at one stage. But um, uh, I'm not quite sure um, what happened there. Um, bum, 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 bum. Where... Uh... Uh, Ad says is 46% because any higher and should be both qualified for Europe will cause problems, if you get what I mean. Um, I don't think so. I think the 46% was, my, my own view on this is, and this is nothing that I've read, but it's just something that my, my reasoning for it is that the club is, there's lots of small ownership amounts within the club. So it's not like you've got one person that they that needs to be bought out. You have to buy out lots of little people. Think about when Randy Lerner took over Aston Villa because Aston Villa was floated previously. Doug Ellis owned X amount and there was lots of other smaller stakeholders that Randy Lerner needed to buy out first before he could make a, 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 a full ownership grab of the club to Doug Ellis. This won't happen in this instance or won't happen in the short term here. Because Victoria Sports is owned by their small minority owners. Um, as far as I'm aware, I could be wrong on this, uh, that the small minority owners. I think I think it's 46% because that's all that they could buy up at that given time. And I don't think that there was a, there was a discussion to go over the 50% because I think if you go over 50% or go 51% of the club, then you can initiate a mandatory buyout of clubs. I know you can do that in the UK. I don't know whether it's the case in, in Portugal. Once again, I leave myself very, very open to ridicule when I start talking about financial matters, specifically stuff like this. I really work on memory about what happened at Aston Villa and uh, what I've read about other clubs in the past. But um, I'm not sure the 46% um, and both clubs qualify for Europe. I don't know what the situation is there. Um, it, I didn't, it didn't even cross my mind. Um, but I'm sure, <laughs> I, I'm hoping that we have, we have to deal with that sooner rather than later. Uh, if that makes sense. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, a lot of people saying that you think it's a positive mood. It move. I think so too. Um, bum, 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 bum. Mike Warmbold says, uh, don't believe you ever would allow V Sports to own a majority stake because you can't own two clubs that may compete in the same. Well, you can't own two clubs that may compete in the same competition if you're one person. It's going to be tested very, very soon when the Qataris bid for Manchester United. It's going to be tested really soon. Um, so we will find out if UEFA are all bluster or not with regards to that. Um, also, yeah... Uh, I, I, don't know what the, I don't know what it is with regards to groups... Buying clubs because if you think about it, Girona playing La Liga, they're regularly playing La Liga. Yes, they get relegated and they they, they flip flap up and down. But Manchester City essentially own them outright. Um, Watford, the owners of Watford own Udinese outright as well. So you can't have dual ownership. 
Um, so it's not like this is the first time, the first time it's been done, and uh, they own those clubs outright. If I'm not mistaken, they're not just majority share, shareholders in it, or even they are might be just majority shareholders, but they they have a, a controlling stake in those clubs as well. Um, I've not done any looking up into this, uh, uh, so I'm just really talking on the fly in it here. Um, John Townley says UEFA concerned of potential integrity issues growing risk of seeing two clubs with the same owner or investor facing each other on the pitch well if UEFA have these concerns then they have to have concerns over the Pozzo family they have to have concerns over Man City and we will see if they really do have concerns with Qatari's bid for Manchester United as well um, so it's uh, it's all to be seen I think there um, it's easy to say it but like why would we? Why would they be concerned about Aston Villa and Vitoria Guimaraes uh, being in the same competition at the moment? Considering Aston Villa haven't qualified for Europe in Czech's watch sixteen years. Am I right in that? Fifteen years we haven't qualified for Europe. Anywho, um, <clears throat> that's just my thoughts on it as well. Uh, Hooker uh, says no Irish teams starting with Vito. I gladly change Treaty United to VT United and name them after that hair removal company if it so means that Aston Villa buy them and set them up as a as a feeder club and sign up all the top Irish talent and have them play there and then move them on to Aston Villa afterwards. I will gladly forfeit the name of. Uh, of my football club here in Ireland. Um, absolutely. Well, in fairness, I was going to say I gladly forfeit the name. Since I've been supporting them, they've been Limerick FC. I think they've been Limerick United. They've been Limerick 27. They've been Limerick, uh, back to Limerick. I think they've been Limerick City as well. And now they're Treaty United. So it's not like I, It's not like the name means much to me and to, the, to everybody in Limerick, the amount of names that that club has had uh, in the recent history, considering I'm only 37. And my memory of, of, of Limerick probably only stretches back about 30 years. Uh, so to have four names in 30 years, I gladly put a V at the start of it if it meant Aston Villa would buy them. Um, bam, 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 where else are we? Uh, yeah, Kahua is asking Villa to buy Cove or Galway. No, 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 buy Treaty. Um, yeah, dun, 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 where else are we here? Um, Tim is talking about that Louis Barry is an attitude problem, so I've heard. Can't confirm that, can't deny that at all. I think it came out once or twice um, when he was with, like moving on from, from Barcelona, but uh, by all accounts, Swindon fans absolutely loved him and there was no there was no issues with, with uh, Billy Big Bollock syndrome when he moved there last season, so um, I don't know about that as well. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, where else are we? Uh, mm -hmm. Rookie Mistakes 0607 asks, what's my thoughts on Chelsea's policy of signing loads of young guys and loaning them out purely to make profit as a business and not play for the club itself? Possibly V-Sports sustainable model. There will be an aspect of that. I don't want to mention the elephant in the room here or the Cameron Archer in the room, should I say here. If Cameron Archer, like let's just say Aston Villa go out and buy two strikers, it's like... What's not to say that Aston Villa, if Aston Villa get an offer of 10 million for him in the summer, they don't send him. That could that keep that would keep uh, a, a an academy system going for quite a while. And I'm not advocating we do that. I'm not advocating we do that at all. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying that 
I think that that model is more in place than than people realize. Uh, even if it is loaning them out to to lower league teams and trying to get uh, money from them, like Keenan Davis will get us money. Um, and I think there's, I I think while he's not going like like while he had those that barren spell for Aston Villa. His time at Watford, his time at Nottingham Forest will entice somebody to spend a couple of million on it. So, um, while it's not to the, st- to the scale of a Chelsea or whatever, I think that that would always be the case. And there will be an element of that for sure. For, for one absolute 100%, there will be an element, element of that. Regardless of what kind of academy system you have, there will be definitely an element of that. Um, and I like it. I like it as well. Um, yeah, who can see once again? How did we forget the big, the big bull in the room, the bull in the china shop? Red Bull owns loads of clubs already, and we see they've got Red Bull Salzburg and Red Bull Leipzig. The RB stands for Red Bull, just in case anybody didn't re- didn't realize that. And they regularly Salzburg and Leipzig regularly compete in UEFA competitions together. I don't know why. I, I I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know the reason behind it. But um, if you ever are concerned about all this, about, about dual ownership, um, as I say, I think it more so comes down to one man owning two clubs. I think if a consortium or if a group owns the clubs and they've got different figureheads at, at each club, potentially that could be your circumnavigation because Red Bull have written the book on it. However they do it, let's just copy them. As I said, football is a copycat game off the field. It's very much a copycat game off the field. And uh, however Red Bull are doing it, let's just copy them and do exactly the same. Because it's working for them. It's really working for them. And and even at that, the Red Bull Salzburg, oh, Jesus, Salzburg or Leipzig, whichever one of them have the Leifer Ping, or however you pronounce it, um, team underneath them that basically just plays players under 19 in a proper big boys professional league in, in Austria. I think it's in the second division in Austria. They're doing a super job because that's where all those young players learn their trade at 16, 17, 18, 19. And then they get brought through from there up to Salzburg and then they get promoted from Salzburg. Then uh, potentially move from Salzburg onto, onto Red Bull Leipzig like they used to previously um, and uh, and so on and so forth. And, and uh, keeping the money flowing between the clubs, um, keeping the academy system going for both clubs. And then, uh, <coughs> excuse me and um, trying to create the best players that you can possibly create. Um, uh, where else are we? Uh, Mike Warmbold makes a good point here. Liga Nuss is uh, seventh largest league by coefficient and a team in the top five if worth less than a, if worth less than a league club. That's just in, insane to me. A League One club is just insane to me. Yeah, um, Mike, I... I I think that the 5.5 or the 4.9 million um, pounds, I think that's kind of a quid pro quo. I think that's kind of a, a, a red herring for the for the shares. I think obviously the line of credit would come in there as well. So um, I think what it was the case was, okay, we'll give you the 5 million or whatever it is up front. We, for 46%, we will have this guaranteed line of credit of 20 million, plus we will invest in X, Y, and Z in facilities. Um, so I think it just kind of stops the club from going into debt at any stage over the course of the season, much like what the owners are doing with Aston Villa. They're pumping money into Aston Villa like it's going out of fashion um, throughout the course of the season to keep them, keep them afloat, um, which is fine. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's all above board, I, I hope, um, in, in the interim. 
Um, I think this just offers them a small bit of breathing room, also potentially gives them, offers them that line of credit. So maybe when you go into the summer, it staves off. They've got quite a lot of good young players as well. Quite a lot of players. Uh, um, I was going to say Limerick under 21s. Um, Portuguese under 20s and under 21 internationals at the club. I think they've got four or five of them. If it keeps the Wolves from the door of signing those players, so those players can maybe stay an extra year or two years so that they don't feel the need to sell them off on the cheap for two million, three million here and there. Um, if they have this line of credit, well, that allows them to progress, progress those players and maybe sell them then for more as, as, as it goes on. So I think the quid pro quo was, was, was there that the five million up front plus investment in the off-field facilities if, if it was needed. And then the, the, the key to it all was a guaranteed 20 million line of credit, I think, would work for the club. Uh, to be able to maybe keep what they have, invest in, in, in players off the field, maybe buy in one or two players, but not have to sell players to afford uh, to, to just keep the club flying, I think. that That's just, once again, my um, very rudimentary understanding of, what, of, of what's the story uh, is with it. Um, and, dun, 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 where else are we? Um this is another good good point by rookie mistake city sell players with a low buyback clause uh prices to is another option the left back that went to germany and they bought back for next to nothing and sold them out for massive profit uh, i can see so many options myself yeah that's look that they're they're all the options there for creative accounting i think um but once again the more opportunities you have to be able to develop these players um and get them visibility within a decent league the better because it's all well and good all of us turn around like back in the day for any of you older fans that are there I remember going on all the forums and everybody was raving about Stephen Cook everybody was raving about the two gardeners well more so Gary Gardner and all his injuries and sorry I know I shouldn't mention their names in the podcast anymore because they've made their bed they can go sleep in it but people were raving about them at that underage level. And rightly so. Don't get me wrong. Gary Gardner was special at that level. Stephen Cook was special at that level. Having Knowing what we know now about right environments, right times, uh, and, and, and right methodologies, having uh, talents like that could be nurtured or get that visibility at a better teams and and not just have the likes of okay we're going to send him to Gillingham for for 12 months uh, he's not really tearing it up because Gillingham have changed our manager twice in the last 12 months in, in during that period of 12 months and uh, the manager brought in a load of 35 year olds to stay in the league and uh, all of a sudden this young kid who needed time to grow has been left and, and, and has been basically thrown to the side and is only getting 10 minutes here and there. His value is not going anywhere. His, his, value, his, his opportunity cost is not going up either from the fact that he's not getting any experience down there. And then when other teams come knocking on the door, they're looking at him and going, this lad has barely even played a thousand minutes of football and you're expecting us to pay two and a half million for him. Now go scratch. And then before you know it, another year has gone off his contract because he's playing, uh, playing academy football back at Aston Villa at the age of 21, 22. And then his contract winds down or Villa are left selling him for 250,000 and basically just recouping the, 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 the training costs on him. So the more opportunities to flash at a higher level that players have, the more opportunities you will have for people to spend big money on them. And I hope that makes sense. And I hope, and it's not as simple as that, but, you know, as I say, the opportunity, once you have those opportunities, 
um, you know, you'll have more hits than you'll have misses, or you should have more hits than you should, than, than misses if things are done correctly. And there's no guarantee that we will do things correctly either. Um, right. Uh, yes. Uh, sorry. That's that's actually somebody I was thinking of there as well. Samuel Crothers, Crothers and and the two Moors as well. Um, as Chris Cal uh, mentions afterwards. Look, we've had lots of talent. We've had people who've come into the club and have supposed to be able to kick on and we haven't been able to give them the opportunities um this is a potential to give opportunities and while i'm not saying that we will send 10 players to vittori to Gumarish next year to, to all on loan that would be that's not going to happen if one goes that's probably all i would expect but still it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity then for us to learn from how they scout in south america so we don't make mistakes in south america as well because there are some fine players down there i keep on guys i'm telling you Go look up a player by the name of Marcus Leonardo. If he doesn't move for 20, 30 million in the next the next 12 months, I don't know. He's just out, he's just amazing, Marcus Leonardo. But no one has bitten on him yet. And everybody's talking about Vitor Roque uh, at, at the minute because of the great tournament he's had. Marcus Leonardo will be a star, I think. And watch this. Watch this come back and bite me in the arse. But anyway... I think I'm going to wrap it up at that, guys. Uh, overall, I think that this is a very, very positive, uh, very, very positive thing for Aston Villa. I think it shows that the club is beginning to kind of, uh, you know, <coughs> roll up their sleeves and get the off-field infrastructure. Yes, we didn't spend in the transfer market. Absolutely. Was that going to be? Is that a miss? Time will tell. So far, I, you know, it looks like we needed at least two players. That's fine. Completely different argument. Off-field infrastructure. This... This club, this sports group, this ownership, this board are getting it pretty much smack on off the field at the minute. And what I mean by that is inner field, the inner city academy, the new North Stand, uh, linking up with clubs. We're doing things at a grown-up level. We're doing things that will try and future-proof, create more income, and uh, create more buzz and more visibility for this club on a world level. Um, and if this Las Vegas Villains comes through, well, then there you go. You've got access to the biggest, um, to, to one of the, 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 the most money-hungry towns in all of the world. And it's going to have villains at the end of the name, which is going to be part of the, the V-Sports group, which is also going to drive people back to Aston Villa. And it's a global game right now, and you need to be pulling money from everywhere in the world. So I I like this. I don't get the doom and gloom. I don't get the jokes the 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 jokes I've seen on Twitter about who's going to be whose feeder club. I don't get any of that stuff. Um, as I say, I'm not going to go into into some of the negativity I've seen on Twitter. I've made a resolution recently. There's an awful lot of doom spraying going on about a lot of things in this world, and Aston Villa is going to be my area where I go to try and. Find the crack, the chinks of light of positivity um, from here on in. And uh, uh, as I say, that's just going to be the philosophy of the podcast from here. Yes, there'll be times we'll bitch and we'll mourn and we'll give out, but uh, we'll wake up next morning with the smiley disposition and, and be back again. Um, and I think that this is going to put us all in smiley disposition, uh, this, this partnership, and I hope that there's a couple of more of them to come. So... This is only going to be a 10-minute podcast. And as you can see, I kept it bang on 10 minutes. So thanks very much, everybody, for watching. Thanks very much, everybody, for um, for 
listening. Uh, thumbs up are always appreciated. Subscriptions are always appreciated. We're nearly at the 5K mark. I haven't been pushing that an awful lot lately. If you do know of somebody who likes the podcast, get them to subscribe on YouTube. Also, the audio podcast. If you know of somebody who only listens to audio podcasts, tell them check us out there as well. We've actually got some nice... Um, some 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 partnerships coming up in the audio podcast soon as well, which would be interesting if anybody is interested in, uh, in in that kind of stuff and listen to the audio podcast for more on that. But I'm going to leave you all go back to bed. Thank you so much, everybody. It's half past ten. We'll see you tomorrow with a preview show. Paddy will be back. Preview show for Arsenal. And uh, we'll be back with Team Sheet Tantrum and a post-match on Saturday as well. So thanks very much for watching. And all that's left to say, everybody, is uh, stay safe, stay healthy. And as always, up the villa. Sports Social Podcast Network.